0: Fairy Tales, children's stories about magical and imaginary beings and lands, often the first lens we give young minds to view the world they live in. Many assume these are fictional stories to be taken lightly, but what if there is more to them? This is a podcast where we'll tell you some myths and tales that you thought you knew, and we'll
1: show you how they are connected to real life crimes today. This is Scary Tales, where the stories of your childhood meet real life horror. We'll discuss how the light and happy tales of youth actually have a darker history to them. We'll also discuss true crime today
0: and some of the eerie connections they have to the myths and legends of yesterday. Tune in for a new tell every other Tuesday. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere you stream your podcast.
1: Look, if we're putting it up after Thanksgiving, I'm not taking it down until Valentine's Day. I take it down like the day after, see? If I'm not putting it up until after Thanksgiving, it's got to be worth it to leave it. And so I'm going to leave it up. I understand that.
0: The rule is it just has to come down by Valentine's Day. My rule is the day after Halloween, I just want to rip the band-aid off and take it down. So I take down all my Halloween decorations. It's very sad. Same thing with Christmas.
1: Yeah, that's just kind of sad.
0: Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of work for... Small window. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Emma's gonna—it's gonna be the first Christmas she. I know she's gonna. Well, somewhat participate in. I know. I know. Last year she was just had no idea what was going on. Yeah, she's gonna love it absolutely. Are you recording? Yep. Cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Welcome mm-hmm. back, everybody. Uh We are talking about all things Christmas, which has nothing to do with the Jungle Book, which is what we're talking about today. That's what we're talking I about. I chose this. You know, we were late last week. We didn't do an episode. But I chose this to be in line with your birthday because see, the Jungle Book's your it's favorite. It's my favorite. Yeah. It was yeah, my favorite when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And I haven't introduced Emma to it yet. I don't, she uh, See a little naked half-naked boy running around? David might not approve. That's true. That's a true. A little loincloth. Yeah. I guarantee you David has no idea what the Jungle Book is. No. I, he, not a clue? Yeah, because they call Chase Mowgli sometimes when he's all I bet, being... I bet David goes along with it and has no idea. Oh, okay. I'll ask I'll ask him. Okay. And... Like when Chase is trying to be all outdoorsy and, and they call like him takes off That's his funny. clothes and goes out and chops wood? That's funny. Mowgli. I did not know that. Da- yeah, David for sure just like plays along and has no idea. What if Inlet is just Mowgli next year and you get her a little wig? She would probably love it. And she just runs around with a red loincloth? She would probably love it. She's David, got dark David, eyes. We can dress up
1: David as the bear and I can be the... Mm-hmm.
0: Ka, Shere Khan, Uh, Baloo.
1: Who who would I? I think David would be probably Baloo, you know?
0: Yeah. No, you could be um, Bagheera. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Perfect. I'll go with that. Already planned. All right, so Jungle Book, here we go. Mm -hmm. Here we go. You want to hit us with a Disney summary? Disney summary. Well, it came out in 1967, so you must have an old soul. I do. It's actually the last film project approved by Walt Disney himself, and he he died during its production. So that's probably
1: why I like it because like it, I, I knew it was the last of uh-huh. like you the, just felt that yeah I just felt it in my
0: you know little little mm-hmm. infant soul. Mm-hmm. I think that and the Aristocats. Mm. It's up there with the Aristocats. Uh, in the Jungle Book, if you've never seen it, a young man cub, as they call him, aka Mowgli, aka Chase, aka Chase, is found in a basket in the jungles of India, and a black panther named Bagheera. First of all, next black cat I get, Bagheera. Oh, that's a great... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great name. Finds him and takes him to a wolf pack who raise, raises him until he is 10 years old. And after Mowgli turns 10, the wolf pack learns that the Bengal tiger, the feared Bengal tiger, Sheer Khan, has returned to the jungle. Dun, that, dun, dun. that always makes me think of uh, Shaka Khan. Same thing. Yeah. And and also I found out that Sheer in whatever language is means tiger indian is not in a language right it's like
1: i don't know it, what this would have been inspired by i guess
0: yeah what well, means tiger uh anyways he has returned to the jungle and he is very dangerous and out to kill everybody so the pack decides to send mowgli to live with his own kind in the nearby man village for his own safety And the wolf pack knows that this is going to be really difficult because Mowgli's already assimilated to their way of life. And he doesn't want to return to his own kind because he feels like he already is with his kind. But Bagheera volunteers to escort Mowgli back to the man village. So they go on this journey and they meet multiple animal friends and foes along the way. Mowgli meets a hungry python named Ka who attempts to eat him before he is stopped by Bagheera. There's also like this militant elephant family group that march in a line what's that song they sing and it's in right I got yeah. it's kind of the vibe of the song yeah 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 yeah. but most importantly they meet the sloth bear named Blue Bully. Blue's everybody's favorite and blue promises to raise Mowgli as a bear and never take him back to the man village. And Bagheera leaves Mowgli with a bear because he's grown frustrated with them because they're just doing silly things, singing about bear necessities. It's yeah. It's
1: the best song. Uh, sh- mm-hmm. that's, always, that's why I don't know any other, remember any other songs cause that's the only
0: one that, like, your memory keeps. Mm-hmm. It is a great one. Shortly thereafter, after he's in Baloo's care, a group of monkeys kidnap Mowgli and take him to the monkey kingdom to meet their leader, who is the orangutan named King Louie. And I read that King Louis was named after Louis Armstrong, a famous musician. Uh, Also, fun fact, orangutans are not even native to India, so Disney didn't do a lot of research on that. Also, this is a completely different tangent. There's a lot to be said about how the monkeys in the movie were named after black historical figures and how Mm. they sing songs like, I want to be like you. If you Ah, take a deep dive into that. It's it's not good. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Anyway, King Louie, he's the king of the monkeys, he's the jungle VIP, and he offers to help Mowgli stay in the jungle if the man-cub will teach the orangutan how to make fire. And Mowgli's like, bet, except I was raised by wolves, and wolves don't have opposable thumbs. You even have opposable thumbs, you probably could have figured it out. Teach me. So Mowgli doesn't know how to make fire, and Baloo and Bagheera arrive at the monkey kingdom because it after he tells them he can't make fire kind of they Turned start on. destroy everything and they save mowgli and once they're safe bagheera explains to Baloo that shere khan is looking to kill mowgli and Baloo now comes to the realization that he that mowgli in danger and it's better off if he goes to the man village but mowgli feels betrayed and runs off by himself in the jungle where he ultimately meets shere khan and he almost dies but of course he's rescued his friends come to his rescue and they take him back to the edge of the man village, where Mowgli sees a young girl down at the river gathering water, and he's kind of transfixed by her, and, and meets up with her, and then he goes into the man village with her. And Blue and Bagheera return to the jungle, and Mowgli is where he belongs. That's a, that's that's like kind of a sad ending
1: as mm-hmm. an adult, yeah,
0: very yeah very much so. yeah as a as a child you're like oh yay and then mm-hmm. as an adult you're like oh yeah. i'm sure balu and bagheera uh, you think they made it
1: all right yeah they became buddies mm-hmm. um well now i'm just gonna like bawl
0: my eyes out whenever i do watch that with emma yeah
1: you know because they did a sacrifice
0: they did what was best for him yeah instead of even the, though they were going to be heartbroken yeah mm-hmm. welcome to my life
1: um, well, we've already talked to you about a little bit about one of the only songs we remember, the Bear Necessities. This mm-hmm. was nominated for an Academy Award. All I know so. is about a
0: prickly pear and a... Isn't that in there, prickly pear? <laughs> He's I'm, like scratching I, his back on the tree and eats all the fruit. Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of us are familiar
1: with the happy-go-lucky Disney version of the story. Obviously, as we like to do, the origins, we bring up the origins and how they have much darker undertones so even though there's the you know everybody knows the happy go lucky song and the happy go lucky movie uh, script it's a little bit darker so jungle book was written by rudyard kipling and published in 1894 he also published one of my favorite poems mm-hmm. fun fact called if oh so a little bit more about him he had an enchanted early childhood um his family moved to india in search of job opportunities Uh, his father john lockwood became the principal of the mayo school of arts which is now the national college of Arts. they just all
0: they do all day long is make art out of mayonnaise yes
1: (laughs) (laughs) yes that's what they meant by Mm -hmm. mayo kipling himself was born on the campus of uh, sir jj school of art where his father was a professor of architectural sculpture so comes from a long line of just smart very artistic families yeah like most other british children in india at the time kipling and his sister spent their days with their indian nannies and servants listening to all of the stories that they had told in their native tongue about you know and, and went out exploring local markets with them it's a very cultural upbringing and then kipling would always remember that part of his life very fondly mm-hmm. um, but eventually things would take a turn for the worse so he and his sister, Alice, were moved to England when he was five, and there they lived with the Holloways, um, who were a couple who boarded British children whose parents lived abroad, and he would later go on to describe the place as the, quote, house of desolation. Not yeah. not how you want to be described. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Holloway was a brutal woman who quickly grew to despise her foster son So she would beat and bully Kipling, who also struggled to fit in at school. So he's not fitting in at school. He's not fitting in at his quote-unquote home. Mm -hmm. His only break from the Holloways would come in December when he would travel to London to stay with relatives for the the month. And at that time, he had not told anybody of the abuse that he Mm -hmm. was experiencing.
0: Also, that was just common back then I was reading about how families, if they were say in somewhere like india they didn't they wanted their kids to receive an english education so they would just, just send, send them, them to boarding yeah. school um then
1: which that's that, that's sad like
0: mm-hmm. it's kind of like americans yeah. like rich americans that send their kids to england yeah for boarding
1: school yep to study abroad mm-hmm. it's like the reverse study abroad um by age 11 kipling was on the verge of a nervous breakdown. A visitor to his home saw his condition that he was in and immediately contacted his mother, who was back in India, and she rushed back to England and rescued her son from the Holloways. So once they find out what's going on, they try to step Mm in. He would later go on to describe the experience this way. Quote, If you cross-examine a child of seven or eight on his day's doing, especially when he wants to go to sleep, he will contradict himself very satisfactorily. If each contradiction be set down as a lie and retailed at breakfast, life is not easy. I have known a certain amount of bullying, but this was calculated torture, religious as well as scientific. Yet it made me give attention to the lies I soon found it necessary to tell. And this, I presume, is the foundation of literary effort.
0: I don't know what that last part means,
1: but... I mean, I think he found his – this is part of how he found his voice of, like, storytelling. Like, you had to come up with some elaborate stories Mm -hmm. to avoid getting punished.
0: Yeah, and you got to go through something to grow as a human and
1: have a story to tell. Uh, Kipling also remembers it this way, quote, Often and often afterwards, the beloved aunt would ask me why I had never told anyone how I was being treated. Children tell little more than animals for what comes to them they accept as eternally established. Also, badly treated children have a clear notion of what they are likely to get if they betray the secrets of a prison house before they are clear of it.
0: Yeah. So she didn't want to go through the backlash.
1: Right, like all he knew. Away. Yeah, he knew what was coming. Mm-hmm. And that, both of those quotes are like horrifying mm-hmm. to think of someone's childhood as that.
0: He's a lone man cub, one might say. He is. Mm -hmm.
1: So he does eventually return to India in 1882. However, this experience of feeling alienated and away from home obviously left a lasting impression on him, and it is believed to be what inspired the themes of, of that belonging in the Jungle Book. So you can see how Kipling projected his own life experiences onto Mowgli so there's one quote from the book that says, quote, man pack and wolf pack have cast me out. Now I'll hunt alone in the jungle. Mm-hmm. Um, he was cast out by his family. he's then cast, cast out, out by the, by the foster the, like, family. The adopted family, mm-hmm. yeah. So he he definitely felt loneliness. And then what some people don't know is that Jungle Book isn't actually a novel, but it's a collection of stories that was followed by, quote, the second Jungle Book in, 19, in 1895. So it was a bunch of short stories instead. hmm Kipling was inspired by many of his experiences growing up in India, obviously. You can see the inspiration of Indian fables such as Panchatanra mm-hmm. and Jataka tales, which date all the way back to two hundred BCE, and they use talking animals to teach lessons. Well, we see this a lot. I mean mm-hmm. our version of this would be like Aesop's fables. Yep. So kind of using the allegorical talking animals to teach children
0: writers love a talking more, animal
1: yeah they're more i think they're more approachable there's also like a, a level of distancing yourself from something mm-hmm. where you can like you can kind of open yourself up more if you can see somebody else going through it rather than somebody who like looks exactly like you so yeah. animals animals could do that for kids originally written in uh, sanskrit and pali The stories have been translated into English and they range of Indian and a range of Indian languages and it is also illustrated by many artists. Um, Each story has a moral to it, things like hard work, honesty, generosity. Some stories celebrate wit and humor and cooperation between different animals. Uh, And many stories portray a top predator, a lion, a tiger, a jackal, as someone who is vicious, greedy, or power hungry. But you will usually find them defeated by a weaker animal, like a rabbit or a wolf. Sound familiar? Oh, Jungle Book. Yep. Mm-hmm. And like
0: every children's story that involves
1: mm-hmm. animals.
0: The tortoise and the hare.
1: Right. Um, the inspiration for Mowgli is inspired by an even darker story. So obviously his childhood was dark, but like for Mowgli, and he cast some of his own self onto Mowgli... But, but there's a real-life Mowgli. There's a real-life Mowgli, yeah. yes. So um, kind of, a, he kind of blended those two things together. And that's the true story of Dina Sanichar, the boy who was raised by wolves. The actual boy. The actual boy. So the year was 1867. The setting was Bulandrishar District. It was India. In India, yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: And one night, a band of hunters were making their way through the jungle when they stumbled across a clearing... And beyond it lay the entrance of a cave that they believed was being guarded by a lone wolf. So the hunters prepared to ambush this unsuspecting prey, but they were stopped in their tracks once they realized that the animal wasn't an animal, but instead it was a small boy, no older than six. Must've been real hairy for I, them to think it was a I wolf guess, or they must have had dirty. real bad eyesight. I mean, yeah. imagine the hunters like mm-hmm. knew what they were looking for. So he didn't approach the men. Um, he didn't answer their questions. Very standoffish. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to leave the boy behind in the outskirts of the jungle, so the hunters brought him to Sakandra Mission Orphanage in the city of Agra. And since he didn't have a name, the missionaries gave him one, and they named him Dina Senachar after the Hindi word for Saturday, which was the day he arrived. They No creativity. I mean... You've only got seven names of kids uh-huh. that come in. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we do that. Jane Doe.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Don't they just go through the alphabet?
0: Yeah. Like, But that's a dead person. This is an actual person. I thought they did that with,
1: peop, like, with no, people, like... No, we do, who like, like they, Alpha,
0: Alpha, Beta, Beta.
1: Oh, I was going to say, I thought they did that with people who they didn't know. Like, when my dad had a car accident, he was a John Doe, because they couldn't find his driver's license. Oh. And then once they found it, they were able to say who he was.
0: Yeah, I haven't come across that many... Anyway. Many Doe's. Anyway. I'm going to start calling them Dina's. There
1: you go. Saturday. Mm -hmm. During his stay at the Secondra Mission Orphanage, Senachar was given a second name of Wolf Boy. That makes
0: even, I mean, that's not as nice. A little more specific. Saturday Wolf Boy. Makes more sense.
1: The missionaries thought it suited him because they believed that he was raised by wild animals and had never experienced human contact in his life. Mm -hmm. According to all of their accounts, his behavior resembled that of an animal more than it did a human's. He would walk around on all fours. He had difficulty standing up on his own two feet. He preferred to eat raw meat and would gnaw on the bones to sharpen his teeth. Uh, this, all signs. It doesn't, David,
0: every time we're out at a function, I'm like, David, stop chewing on the bone. It's yep. just
1: over there, yep. sharpening his yep. teeth sharpening on the gristle. Yep, yeah. every time. So, um, Einhard Lewis, the superintendent of the orphanage, wrote to a faraway colleague and said, quote, the facility with which they get along on four feet, hands and feet, is surprising. And then he went on to say, before they eat or taste any food, they smell it. And when they don't like the smell, they throw it away. Same. I mean, as I was about to say, I mean, like, I can yeah. I can support that. Mm-hmm. Communicating with the, quote, real-life Mowgli was difficult for two reasons. First, he didn't speak the same language as the missionaries who were taking care of him. Um whenever he wanted to express himself, he would growl or howl like a wolf does. Again, David. I was about to say, or like Emma right now. Mm -hmm. Like, we communicate even though she's not speaking my language yet. Mm -hmm. Second reason is that he also didn't understand signing. Um, People who couldn't speak the same language would usually get close to understanding someone else by simply like pointing at objects with their fingers and stuff. Mm -hmm. But because the wolves don't point... I mean, because they don't have fingers. Yeah. Um, he these gestures were useless to him. Like yeah. He. I mean, imagine if you've never seen somebody point something, mm-hmm. you're like, "What are you doing?" So, though Saturday Wolf Boy eventually learned to understand the missionaries, he never learned to speak the language himself. Um, this could be because the sounds of human speech were so alien to him that he couldn't
0: form them himself. It had been too long.
1: Yeah. That ship had sailed. What is it they say? Isn't it like by age seven? Like that sounds about right. most of your, like, uh, like it's easier to learn a foreign language mm-hmm. before the age of seven than it is yeah, afterwards. it's not fun after. Yep. So the longer Sinichar stayed at the orphanage, though, the more he began to behave like a human, he eventually learned to stand upright, and according to missionaries, even began to dress himself. And some say he even picked up the most human trait of all, smoking cigarettes there you go
0: there's honestly that's, if, that's if the, you the sign to, of be... humanity right there mm-hmm. just smoking a cig i if it wasn't smoking cigs what would it be oh probably know. like uh fart noises being funny yeah yeah somebody's just like and he thinks it's hilarious yep. he has no clue what that means but nope it's just the funny. animals it's just like it's universally funny yep Interestingly enough, uh, Sanjiv was
1: not the only wolf child living at this orphanage in India at the time. If um, Superintendent Lewis is to be believed, then they claim that he was joined by two other boys and one other girl who were also said to be raised by wolves.
0: I mean, India's population. I'm like, you gotta look into that
1: though. Like,
0: mm-hmm. you get one kid, and you're like,
1: okay. You start getting more, you're like, okay, who's leaving kids out mm-hmm. here? Like that—that that needs probably should have been mm-hmm. investigated. According to one geographer, the orphanage took in so many, quote, wolf children over the years that they no longer looked up when another kid was discovered in the jungle. So... Your status quo. I mean, yeah, they, the contrary of them being surprised, their discovery, quote, created no more surprise than the delivery of the daily supply of butcher's meat.
0: Yeah. And I bet they're all, they were all levels of feral, like some of them probably just got abandoned. So, yeah. Some of them may have been on. like in the woods for one day mm-hmm. or something. Yeah.
1: In fact, stories of children being raised by wolves have popped up all across India. In most cases, the missionaries caring for the children were the only sources. So, whether they were really feral remains up for debate. I could see it though. Yeah. Some believe that the missionaries may have intended or invented them for the media
0: attention. I could also see that. Yeah.
1: Others hypothesize that the children may not have been raised by animals at all and that they actually had maybe an intellectual or physical disability. <laughs> sad. I know. And in that case, the stories may have resulted from people just jumping to conclusions about their behavior.
0: Yeah, because way back then, they still didn't know a, right. lot, a lot of like mental disorders and things like that.
1: Right. Um, Sanichar was only 35 years old when his body gave in to tuberculosis in 1895. And though he ended up spending the majority of his life in the company of other people rather than of animals that may or may not have raised him, he never really fully adjusted to life at the orphanage. Yeah.
0: He might have been happier if they would have just left him alone with the wolves. Maybe. In general, he was enjoying the raw meat, but you know, if you're going to look at the Jungle Book, Mowgli would have thought he would have enjoyed his That's life true. at the wood in the That's in the true. woods with the wolves, but with Shere Khan.
1: Yeah, but yeah. He had a happily ever after in the end.
0: I had no idea there was a real-life Mowgli out there. I knew yeah. there were feral children, but I didn't know like this is the guy that um, that uh Roger kipling yeah would have knew been of. inspired by yeah mm-hmm.
1: well i mean apparently he had plenty to choose from in india so right. it's a little bit alarming
0: yeah well dang i'm going to have to go watch the jungle book again and I know. and maybe cry this time maybe I think know. of saturday saturday wolf boy mm-hmm. i know i got
1: to think of a uh, i got i got to i got to mentally and emotionally prepare myself for rewatching it with a huh now
0: yep all right well that that's not saturday sunday what is his name saturday wolf boy mm-hmm. that's not the only feral children feral child out there i mean and so after the break i got some scary there's feral children stories yeah just a couple see you in a second hello there we are. There she is. I was gonna do this off camera, but or not camera, uh, <laughs> record and Hannah said no. I like it I like, when you do I it. I like it when she does the on crinkle. camera. Yeah. So let me open this snack real quick.
1: Yep. I like it. It, well, le- it lets it. you know we're actually like.
0: Trying things for the first time. You know, like... That smelled like the inside of a Kirkland's as soon as I opened it. You ever is been that, in Kirkland's? Yeah, is that, but that yeah, that could smells be. like potpourri. Okay, I was about to say that could be a good thing or bad thing. What are we talking about? Today's snack break is limited edition. We love a limited edition. Apple Pie Toast Crunch. Which so not Cinnamon delicious. Toast Crunch. They also I ha- love Cinnamon Toast Crunch. They also have... Oh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch is one of my all-time Space. classics. They also have Sugar Cookie Toast Crunch, which oh. me and Aston tried... I think a couple holidays ago but this I haven't tried apple pie toast crunch do you like apple pie I do okay I'm gonna get a couple and there's no milk here you know if I'm gonna eat cereal honestly I never eat it dry I like a lot of milk do you really yes you know I like I like especially
1: if you're gonna try something new for the first time take a couple bites without any milk you know get like a yeah
0: Yeah. Is that your method?
1: Yeah. It's like David does this with sauces. Like he'll always take a bite of something before he dips it in a sauce, even if he has dipped it in that same sauce for years. He Mm. always, first
0: bite is always like a clean slate. No, I know everything. I know you put everything. I know. (laughs) I
1: know you're going to say that. Go get you some mustard. Put it on this apple pie test crunch. Okay. Here we go. Ready? Smells good.
0: Instant apple. It is. Instant. Mm-hmm. Kind of tastes like potpourri a little bit. No, that that I mean that is apple all the way. Yeah, it, it legit tastes like a fake you, apple.
1: Yeah, you taste. could you could blindfold me, mm-hmm. absolutely, and, and I would and like put two mm-hmm. different bowls of cinnamon toast crunch, the sugar mm-hmm. cookie crunch, and the apple pie toast crunch, and I could tell you the difference. You know, yeah,
0: because some of these little spinoffs they mm-hmm. don't taste that much different. Like mm-hmm. we've discovered in past snack breaks. That one is that one is apple pie. So if you don't like apples or apple pie, you're not gonna like that that i can sit i can eat a huge bowl that of cinnamon yeah. crunch that i would have to have a small you think taste of it's no, a little too pretty, much for me it's good pretty good. It, it's a little too much
1: rank this one versus the sugar cookie one versus the classic
0: oh classic's oh. always number one okay uh then sugar then cookie then see sugar cookie didn't taste that much different to i was me. about to say that one's closer but to the original of, yeah yeah this that is one's a whole very different apple. cereal
1: Whole different. It's like, it, it makes me think of, um, my, my mind went to those um, candy caramel apple suckers. <gasps> that's it. I kind of has the same artificial It apple. tastes like you just like swirled a, one of those suckers in a mm-hmm.
0: bowl of milk. Yep, that's it. I'm pretty good. Did you hear that beeping in the background? Mm-hmm. That's probably Chase coming home. We'll see if he wants some of this. He'll, he'll like it. Now it's time to talk about some feral children. Feral children. I don't know how to relate that back to the snack break. Maybe they were eating apples. Maybe all they had to eat was apples out in the, Maybe so. in the forest. They definitely didn't have apple pie toast crunch. They didn't. I said, Hannah, do you like a lot of milk in your cereal? I like it. I like it even proportion. See, Aspen likes a drizzle of milk on her cereal, which... <laughs> I I like more milk than cereal. Do you drink the milk afterwards? I drink about half of it. Okay. It also depends on what. If it's like frosted flake milk. Nobody wants frosted flake milk. Fruity to pebble milk all day. I have a candle at the house right now that smells like tricks. Yeah. Did you get it at Target? Yeah. They had that. I had It's uh, that and... Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cocoa Puffs.
1: Yeah. I can't remember which one, but I got two of them. Cocoa Puffs. David, I lit one the other day and David was like, I don't want it to smell like cereal in here. And I said, Uh, get out the Yes, you do. Yeah that's yes, like people
0: that are don't like bakery scented candles and those are my favorite right now we're burning cinnamon sugared pecan i want my house to smell like a bakery at all times yeah so that's anyway. that anyway anyway speaking of thanks things, for coming to our hannah tip-talk. keeps like trying to find a place to put that box yeah. of cinnamon well, toast crunch I, where she won't I, be tempted by yeah, it yeah if i leave it in my lap i'm gonna eat it the whole time i said hannah you can have that i didn't enjoy that that much oh, and she's just... like no you'll eat it and i was like no dog she says I,
1: she has two more boxes of cinnamon toast crunch I, in her pantry. I absolutely pantry, do so.
0: because I can never remember when I go shopping what I already have. So just have double of everything. You should see how many mustards I have. I'm just, oh, I know yeah. you have a lot. Oh, I know. So anyway, feral children. Very interesting topic, feral children, because it's not like an experiment that you can recreate. So they right. so they teach us about nature versus nurture. You, you mm-hmm. couldn't get a child and isolate them. Obviously, that would be cruel. Mm-hmm. I can't send them out. to. So a you can lot. only study things that have like naturally happened. Mm-hmm. Right. Feral children, meaning like wild or raised in captivity, things like that. If just for some reason you didn't know what that meant. And today I'm going to tell you about several. Uh, this isn't even all of them, but just several different stories of different feral children from across the world first one being her name, I'm going to jack this up, was Oksana Malaya. You think that? Malaya? Malaya. Oh. We'll go with Malaya. In 1994, a feral child was discovered living among wild dogs in the village of Nova Blagovishchenko in Ukraine. That was one of the longest words I've ever seen. Yep. Was it kind of looks like Blagna. Baloney. Anyway, Close. Local peace, police. Local police had never dealt with feral humans before, and they had to use food in order to distract the hounds while they lured the young girl away from her friends. The eight-year-old girl was eventually identified as Oksana Malaya. Which it's like, what do you mean identified as? Did they know she was missing, or My- is this what they named her? Does this mean Sunday? I don't know. Uh, dog girl, maybe. Uh, and she, they found out that she had alcoholic parents that had abandoned her outside in the cold five years earlier and just instinctively. And for survival, she crawled into a dog kennel to seek warmth, shelter. And that's where she would spend the next five years with the dogs. And she basically sustained on whatever scraps or leftovers, the canines were being fed and she would occasionally visit her house. That I guess her parents kind of had abandoned, and she would find old food there. But she undoubtedly lived a largely feral life outdoors until the police were finally called. Also, five years—how yeah. do you like? That's just a long time for mm-hmm. nobody to notice mm-hmm. or care. I—I um, I don't know. Uh, David and Chase have been to Ukraine. It's mm-hmm. kind of crazy out there, right? In yeah, the, and if this is like a—if this is a smaller community,
1: I mean, mm-hmm. it dep- I guess it just depends on like how rural it is maybe because i'm sure i mean you go out to rural alabama and you could have very little like human interaction Mm -hmm. where like you go feed your animals once a week or something i mean like
0: i guess i could i guess i could see it so her bond to this pack of dogs was so strong that it was difficult for police to overcome because she had grown up with them she had assimilated with them into society and she had to teach them how they had to teach her how to behave like a human again and this was extremely challenging. So she eventually became a ward of the state and was admitted to several psychiatric institutes and group homes. And for a while, she was unable to speak and continued to walk on all fours. But she eventually learned how to talk again thanks to minimal, the minimal language she already knew from her earlier years. Like she didn't get dropped off with the dogs as a mm-hmm. baby. She had some human interaction before then. At an orphanage school, she was successfully taught a more wide-ranging vocabulary, and she also learned how to walk upright again and to communicate like other human beings, at least for the most part. It wasn't completely normal, but she was doing the best she could. So though Malaya is now in, or Malaya is now in her late 30s, she still requires supervision at an adult care facility and will likely never be fully independent. She's also said to speak in a flat, emotionless tone, almost as if she's being ordered to talk, probably because mm. she doesn't love talking. Yeah. She's not she's not as prone to doing that. She likes silent forms of communication, but her barks remain as strong as ever, they say. Mm. She loves to bark, and they say when they give her anything, food, uh, toy, anything, she, her first instinct is to hide it, just like dog, oh. dogs do with bones. Yeah, Theodore used to do that. I used to find tons of crap in my couch. Yep. And he never seemed to come back and get it. So I'm like, he, I think they put it there and they honestly forget. Probably. All right. So that was Oksana. Next, this story is more unfortunate. This is the story of Marina Chapman. So Marina Chapman thinks she was born sometime in the early 1950s, though she'll likely never know for sure. When she was four, she was abducted near her home in Colombia and abandoned in the jungle, where she was raised by Capuchin monkeys for the next five years. So, from four to nine, I guess. Eventually, Chapman claimed that she lost all use of language and soon learned to communicate with the monkeys using their gestures, signals, and ticks. Because, you know, monkeys mm-hmm. are like what... Uh, chimpanzees are like 90 something percent. Human. Yeah. Like, it's your human DNA. Mm-hmm. Her means of survival were confined to foraging and usually she would just get the scraps that the monkeys left behind. But she soon realized that if she followed around monkeys holding large bunches of bananas that some would fall to the ground and she could eat those. Smart girl. Mm-hmm. I feel like she would have the opposite of scurvy. Like pi- pirates get it from not enough fruit. Mm-hmm. She would just be like... Whatever happens when you eat all, all, all bananas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The monkeys taught her how to climb trees, crack nuts with tools and walk on all fours. And she even claims that they taught her how to make a bed in the canopy of the trees. And one and one time she says that, and I just, I, I know what she thinks about this, but I, I think the monkey was trying to do something else. But she said an older monkey saved her life when she got sick with a stomach pain. He said, she said, quote, he squeezed my arm firmly, then began shaking me slightly, shoving me as if determined to herd me somewhere else. He's probably like, hey, girl, get out of my Mm -hmm. canopy. Mm -hmm. He led her to a stream of muddy water, supposedly, and forced her head in and she drank mouthfuls of it and soon began to vomit. And after she vomited, she she said she felt better, which if any of that is true, I feel like the monkey was probably just trying to drown her. (laughs) Maybe he's like, I'm tired of you picking up all my bananas. Yep. She eventually gained enough confidence uh, to ad- approach a group of hunters, and although they took her out of the rainforest, it was far from a rescue because they sold her to a brothel. Oh! She eventually escaped the brothel, but was then enslaved as a domestic worker for a local mafia family. Oh, gosh. and from there, she floundered on the streets for years before her true rescue ever came. So she has she has been, been through, through it. it. When feral, Chap- feral child, yep. brothel. At least I feel like being, worker. if you had to be raised between dogs and monkeys, I would rather be with dogs because I'm a dog person. But I think monkeys, since they're closer to yeah. us, would be the better way to go. Well, it's
1: definitely better than working in a brothel, you know, being forced mm-hmm. to work in a brothel and yeah. uh, or for a mafia.
0: Yep. When Chapman was in her teens, a neighbor adopted her and eventually moved to Yorkshire, England. Chapman stayed there ever since and married and had a family of her own and then published a memoir in 2013. Okay, good for her. Yeah, good for old Marina. So there's that. She, I would say, had in many ways a much difficult, much more difficult time than Oksana. But, but then she also seemingly
1: was able to... Yeah, was to, redeemed. Yeah, had mm-hmm. a
0: bigger redemption story. Yeah. Next, we have a boy this time. His name, I'm going to butcher this, is... Sujit Kumar, and Sujit Kumar was born in 1979 in Fiji, and when he was around two years old, his mother unfortunately committed suicide, and his father was murdered, so he came into care of his grandfather, who lived in a rural area, but his grandfather was not a nice guy, and locked Sujit in an underground chicken coop where he lived for years with the chickens and hens. Yikes. In this coop, there was no space to stand up. He could only crawl and move like the other hens. As hens were provided food and water, so was he. I guess he was just eating whatever chickens eat. You know what chickens eat? Like uh, seeds? I guess that's what I was picturing. A child learns too, uh, too much by imitating, and he learned to live like a hen and forgot his identity as a human being and started to make these boop, boop, Type of chuckling noises like oh, him. Thank you. Yep. Neighbors reported seeing him, but nothing was done until he was eight years old. So that's six years. hmm Later, instead of being given special care, he was put into an old person's home. And unfortunately, here also, they did not know what to do with this boy that was essentially walking, acting, like eating a ch- like, a like a chicken. So they uh, tied him to the bed. He, uh, they said he hopped like a chicken when given food. He used to tip it on the floor or, you know, mm-hmm. chip at it on the floor. And he would also, again, use the put puk voice. And he liked to roost on the floor like a hen. He did not want to sleep in his bed. So oh. this one went on for about 15 years until 2002. But then he was 23 years old and of age when a woman named Miss Clayton had visited the orphanage. And it's there that she um, met Sujit Kumar. And she said, quote, She remembers he looked small at around age 22 or 23, but so wild and even tried to bite her. He was like a hen. He curled his hands upwards towards his chest, clawed like, made strange noises. His eyes seemed blank and he was detached. Hmm. So Sujit still lives in the old people's home, but it is no longer, he's no longer tied up. They, they, I guess they got used to him. Um, and he actually has a caretaker, a Fijian man. And he goes to school daily in a room in a factory. And, and that's Sujit's life. He sounds the most mentally mm-hmm. damaged by this. Probably because he was also underground and literally couldn't yeah. stand up for years. But Well,
1: and again, I think there's a distinct... There's a difference between the animals that raise you. Yeah. Like chickens versus dogs versus... Monkeys, like, yeah, monkeys are the most intellectual, mm-hmm. like, you have the most intellectual opportunity there, yeah. A chicken's dogs not going to kill you. Dog, I was gonna say, dogs are very nurturing, yeah. Like, you see all the stories all the time of dogs mm-hmm. adopting, like, you know, little ducklings mm-hmm. or kittens or whatever. Chickens don't do but that, I, I don't yeah. Think. I don't think you have a whole, like, yeah, they're just gonna try to sit on you, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Next, we have a guy, and he, uh, I think he's from Ukraine too, Russian. Mm -hmm. his name is Ivan Mishukov while most feral humans are abandoned against their will Ivan actually found living on the streets more preferable than his life at home he had a very difficult childhood in the care of an alcoholic grandfather who commonly left him on his own for days on end and at the age of three or four the young boy left the house to find refuge with the stray dogs in the middle of the streets and this was in the 1990s so not that long ago The homeless Russian boy and his companions begged for food from a local bakery in town near Moscow. And in the cold nights, he curled up with a pack of dogs in order to fall asleep. He named the dogs Jesse, Goga, Masha, and Siva and spent about two years with them. So he he had a place to stay, but he Mm -hmm. preferred the company of the dogs rather than the abuse. Which is, I was going to say, which is telling. Mm-hmm. The hounds had grown to accept him as one of their own and shared whatever scraps they found in the street with him. And he would return the favor eventually. But then the police rescued him in 1998. And this took several tries because the dogs were very protective of him. Aww. But by the time he was saved, he was about five or six years old and in very clear need of help. He was reluctant to leave the dogs that he had bonded with and he would later say i love the dogs and they love me they gave me a lick on the face that's how dogs give kisses Hmm. so again that's different than being raised by chickens Chickens.
1: Mm -hmm. there's no like love there
0: yeah ivan was soon placed into an orphanage near moscow and this is really sad his local canine family never forgot about him and they found him at the or- orphanage and would visit him at the orphanage gates. But unfortunately, the local officials decided to kill the dogs, so they would stop doing this. That's... Yeah. That's just pouring that's salt horrible, in the wind. horrible, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, quote, I understand that if it wasn't for those dogs, I wouldn't have survived in the street, but I am also grateful to police the policemen who took me from the pack and, of course, to my foster mom who raised me. So... I don't know if I'd be thankful for the I mean, they did save him, but then they killed his quote-unquote family, even if they were just dogs. Yeah, Ivan's fortune certainly changed when a woman by the name of Tatiana Babanina took him in, and the loving foster mother not only helped him recover from his traumatizing youth, but she also ensured that he excelled academically. And after graduating from this naval cadet school, he found a full-time factory job. And unlike many other feral people, his story actually has a happy ending. Good. I should have ended it there, but I didn't the last one is the saddest.
1: Oh, great. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I think that, I mean, it seems like there's kind of like two trajectories here Mm -hmm. that you're either like, there's like long lasting mental Mm -hmm. issues that require like facility assistance Mm -hmm. or there's like a miraculous turnaround because so far it's two and two.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I think it has to do with what time you're abandoned. Mm-hmm. Like the, he, age, the he ages. He seems like he was in the city, like with mm-hmm. the stray dogs in the city. So he's hearing people he talk probably still around He's around him. more humans, yeah. yeah. where the other people were just with animals. Yeah, or underground. This next one is the saddest, and I had heard of this before. I was going I think I've heard of her. Yeah. Her name, you probably heard of her, is Jeannie Wiley. She is an American. And the story of Jeannie Wiley, the feral child, sounds like, something in a fairy tale or a scary t- more of like a scary, a scary tale. tale. Mm-hmm. She is an unwanted mistreated child that survived brutal imprisonment at the hands of a monster like you would find in a fairy tale mm-hmm. and is rediscovered and reintroduced to the world in an impossibly youthful state. Unfortunately for Wiley, hers is a dark real-life scary tale, like I said, with no happy ending unfortunately. There were no fairy godmothers, no magic solutions. No enchanted transformations. And this one's different, too, because
1: it involves not just, like, abandoned in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little more involved.
0: Mm-hmm. So on a whiz- Wednesday afternoon in November 1970, social workers at the Los Angeles County Welfare offices sat at their desk when suddenly the office door flung open and a woman named Dorothy Irene Wiley had been suffering from cataracts in both eyes for several years and as a result stumbled blindly into the wrong office and in one hand she had a walking stick in the other she had the hand of her 13 year old daughter whose name was susan so dorothy approaches the desk and inquires about applying for disability pension and the social worker was, you know, trying hard to do their job, but they were distracted by this small girl that this woman had with her because she was tiny, she was frail, she was super pale. She held her arms kind of curled up next to her chest, and she just looked very timid. You know social workers are just good at... Reading things. Yeah. Yeah. They know. Yes. So the social worker also attempted to speak to Susan, but she seemed mute, which was another bad sign. An emergency home search was conducted on the Wiley household, which resulted in one of the most disturbing and compelling child abuse cases the medical world has ever seen. Susan was quickly taken by child services to the Los Angeles Children's Hospital, and the team that took on her case would later rename Susan as Jeannie, which I am, I've heard the story many times, and it never like dawned on me that Jeannie Like a genie in a bottle, bottle, Mm -hmm. the mystical creature that is trapped in a lamp for years and years and finally freed after human stimulation breaks the curse. I don't know if that's what they intended. I mean, surely.
1: That's a very, very unique... That's That's like a very, very unique name. Yes. So, I mean, I'm
0: sure there was some kind of connection. Right. So, she goes by genie in the public and in the media as like an alias, but... When the home was searched, they revealed what they revealed would permanently scar those who were involved in her rescue because they found that Jeannie had been kept in isolation in a small dark bedroom all 13 years of her life, never socialized, never educated, and never given warmth or human stimulation. She was essentially engulfed in a sensory, cognitive, and emotional deprivation. Her father would keep her in a makeshift straight jacket chained to a potty chair during the day, and at night would similarly, similarly chain her inside of a baby crib with chicken wire surrounding the top and on all sides. She was left in soiled diapers for days at a time. It's, it's no wonder she lived even Honestly. lived to 13. Her father would bark at her like a dog if she made noise and often hit her with a piece of wood. And perhaps one of the most frightening side effects of Jeannie's abuse is that she was incapable of crying. That they they say I've heard that said about like orphanages
1: is mm-hmm. that it is like eerily quiet, mm-hmm. and it's because kids get used to the fact that like crying doesn't doesn't get you anywhere doesn't get them
0: doesn't get them anything. Yeah. So they just stop crying. God, um, I more on that story. Her father was also abused as a child. So he became abusive. He beat the crap out of her mother. And uh, they, she also had a brother Jeannie did. And the the brother didn't, the brother and the mom didn't have a great life. Mm -hmm. I think they lived in the living room and they were also abused, but they didn't receive the same like deprivation that Jeannie went under. They were not allowed to talk to her at all. So she had people living in her, her house. They didn't talk to each other. They didn't talk to her in their room next to her yeah. and just so close, but mm-hmm. still so isolated. So, um, let's see where we were. So she goes on a lots of people. She became the subject of many people. One of them being Susan Curtis, who was a UCLA linguistics professor. Susan became close friends with Jeannie, helping her expand her previously completely non-existent vocabulary. Under the care of her medical and rehab team, Jeannie began to make significant progress at first. She had a growing list of words under her belt and communicate through basic sign language. The part of her brain that could process words into language with grammar and other linguistic structures had never been stimulated, and thus she was condemned to a very, you know, uh, infantilized communication system. She could not previously... So her father gave her like liquids she she didn't get mcdonald's and all of that so she couldn't chew and swallow when they found her because she had only ever had yeah. liquids which well, i'm glad he fed her something. something yeah it's like probably the only, the only mm-hmm. reason she's alive but yeah. so she would instead hold the whatever her parents fed her, in her mouth until the saliva broke it down. I hmm. I think I also read when they found her, she had all of her baby teeth and all of her adult teeth up in her skull. Like, they never fell out because she didn't use them. Because she never used them. Mm. The atrophy in her leg muscles began to improve as she began learning to run and jump. And at age 14, she had the physical development of a seven-year-old. So a year later. Literally after. half. But yeah. So... She, so that's wild. Yeah. Many parts of her brain had not developed, nor would they ever be able to. Because you got to, at, a, at gotta a develop certain point, early. there's a cutoff right. point. Jeannie also went through a string of felled foster homes with families who felt very overwhelmed by taking care of her. She was prone to fits of self harm. She was also sexually inappropriate in public. They believed that she was most likely also sexually abused by her father. Say. Yeah. yeah. She still had to wear diapers and would often involuntarily release bodily fluids when she was stressed or upset. She would spit and howl. Susan, the UCLA l- linguist that had become so dear to Jeannie, became her legal guardian for roughly a year until a competing researcher convinced the judge to give legal guardianship back to Dorothy, her mother, in an effort to gain more access to Jeannie. So didn't really have her best interests at heart, that guy.
1: Right, that guy was basically like, Susan's getting all the research yeah. because she's her guardian. Right. Well, let's so get a so backfire she, on
0: so, her. so if she goes back to her mom, I can mm-hmm. do more research on her. Yep. Dorothy, who at the time was completely blind and over, she just was completely overwhelmed. Oh, sorry. That's my mom texting me. She gave Jeannie back. She, she couldn't handle it. She went through a nervous breakdown. Well, yeah, I could have predicted that. Mm-hmm. And Jeannie then went on to live in a series of state-run institutions and a war waged on between scientists and doctors that were all engulfed in this campaign for control over Genie. So like we said earlier, you can't recreate these experiments. Mm-hmm. So, so they it all want to capitalize yeah. on it. If you want to know about nature versus nurture, Jeannie is like the perfect example. And her significant progress, unfortunately, regressed dramatically during this time. The state offices, along with one of her previous rehab doctors, enforce strict rules and forbid anyone, even including Susan, the woman who loved her, from having any contact with Jeannie or knowing her whereabouts. There was a man named Jay Shirley, who was a professor of psychiatry and behavioral science, who attended Jeannie's 29th birthday party and said, quote, she was miserable, stooped, and seldom made eye contact. Her large eyes were poorly focused on her cake as everyone sang to her, and it was heart-rendering. And today, Jeannie is alive, and she celebrated her 60th birthday in a state-run adult care facility somewhere in L.A. So, not a happy. Yeah. She so promise at first. She was learning, and then kind of plateaued. of Susan. Yeah, and then went under a lot of stress, and then just regressed. Like,
1: restarted it all.
0: Yeah. So, anyway. I had,
1: I had heard of her before. Mm-hmm. Um, probably because she was the only one on this list that took uh, place in the United States.
0: Yeah. I can't imagine being lo- I'm like a room this size every day. You're either in a and crib where you can't stand up. Yeah. Cause so she, walk. she couldn't even walk when they found her. Yeah. Um, or not walk well. And then strapped or to a potty chair. jacket. Yeah, yeah. To a potty chair, which yeah. is not even a comfortable chair with a cushion. No. And you're not talked to. There's no light.
1: I know that's heartbreaking. Yeah.
0: Well, Hannah, that is all I got on all feral children. That's pretty sad. Yeah, out of all the we fairy- hope
1: we hope that there are no more feral children for people to study. Yes, like these. This is all
0: you got. This is all you got. These are the only be, people you have to study. You better go find them before they die. Yeah, because we don't want any we're more. Gonna, yeah, even though I'm sure there mm-hmm. are some.
1: You know what? I just thought about. Mm-hmm. I wonder if this goes back to you know how we always like to tie this to the the Greeks or the Romans. Yeah. You know, Romulus and Remus. They have the, like... They were raised by wolves? Raised by wolves connection. Mm. Founders of Rome.
0: Yeah. Life imitates art or imitates life. Yep. That's what they say. There you go. That's what this podcast is about. All about it. (gasps) All right. Don't know what we're going to do next, but you should tune in. Thanks for doing Jungle Book for my birthday. Hey, you're welcome. I'm sorry it was sad. It's okay. Yeah. Most... well, I'm, I'm kind of used to it. Most things on here are. Yeah. Hannah gave me a book about... Alabama scary stuff I that did. happens in Alabama. And I yeah. think we should do that next time. Let's do it. Hugging Molly, whoever I that know. girl is. She's like a weird centaur lady, yeah. but more redneck. Yeah. Love that.
1: Shout out to... Um, We're gonna go find her. Shout out to Coach Jaywise at my school for uh, telling me about that. Yeah.
0: I Can't wait. So we,
1: may, we might bring you that next time. Bring you some little Alabama
0: folklore. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, you can pause on... Scary Tales Podcast. You can get some apple pie toast crunch. It's pretty good. I'll share it with you. And... Um, I don't know. Listen to Midnight by Taylor Swift. It's really good. I was going to say, Lacey's in, in a little bit of like um, just so sadness now that Halloween's over. Yeah, I'm in a slump. Yeah. Not to mention the endless night outside. That's yes. really good for seasonal depression. And it's freezing cold. So hope you all are, st- you know, staying happy. Get <gasps> out in the sun when you can. And listen to some scary tales endless, when you can. Yeah, there you go. And there until go. next time. Bye bye. Bye bye.